You know, um, hopefully the PowerPoint works tonight. I got a PowerPoint, and uh, our track record with those things hasn't been great, so I pray that the PowerPoint works tonight. Hopefully it will, but just to kind of help you to follow along with the message, this, uh, this uh, should be a, a rather short message, but hopefully it's an encouraging message, something you can take, a very practical message that, that, you, that will be helpful to you. You know, during this... Uh, before I get into that, by the way, we handed out some cards. Y'all got a card? Did everybody get one of these? Okay. You're wondering what they're for? I'll tell you in a little bit, but just hold on to it, and uh, we'll, uh, at the end of the message, I'll tell you what that is for, but just hold on to those. You know, th- this winter, when it comes to winter time, I am so thankful that uh, I'm not one of those old circuit preachers that would go from town to town to town on horseback. You know, when you see the snow flying and all that, could you imagine what they went through back in the day when they would do that? And I believe even judges would do that back in a long time ago. And that reminds me of one of the circuit preachers that had a horse. That he, it was this horse that he'd go from town to town on, and he taught the horse uh, two commands, only two commands. One was praise the Lord, and praise the Lord meant go. You know, get on the horse, you praise the Lord, and the horse would take off. The other one was Amen. Amen meant stop. So when he said amen, the horse would stop. So one afternoon, he wanted to take a ride up in the mountains. So he hopped on his horse. He said, praise the Lord. The horse took off. And he said, amen. And he stopped. He was hungry. He stopped and uh, next to a little stream and to eat his lunch. And after he got done eating lunch, he hopped back on his horse. He said, praise the Lord. And the horse took off. But this time, he took off down the trail in the mountain. He took off really fast. And he was heading towards a cliff. And the preacher was panicking. And he goes, Whoa, whoa, whoa. He forgot, he forgot, and he finally realized, he said, amen, and he stopped just before he hit, hit the, went over the cliff, and he looked, and he looked over the cliff, and he goes, praise the Lord. I'll give you some of you a minute. To get... What does that have to do to tonight's message? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing at all. But this does. Um, how many of you like uh, the Peanuts comic strip? How many of you would, you would read the Peanuts comic strip? Uh, Lucy one time, she grumbled to, to Charlie Brown. She was grumbling about the awful New Year she was having. She complained that problems abounded, and she felt that difficulties were around every corner. Then she said, I don't think this is a New Year at all. I think we got stuck with a used one. Maybe some of you feel like uh, if you put your hope in that this year was going to be better than last year, I don't know, it is, maybe it hasn't got off to a great start. But there's one thing I do know, that there is a need that each and every one of us has. It is a human need, and uh, maybe this year started off tough for you. Uh, but there is one thing that each and every one of us needs, and I believe it is a need, and that is comfort. It is comfort. So tonight we're going to talk about the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort. And uh, John, is my mic on? I don't think it is. You know, just in the last week or so, we've seen uh, plenty of turmoil in the world. We, you know, we've seen what happened in uh, Washington. We've seen what... Uh, uh, I know several people now that are in the hospital with COVID and uh, really sick. Uh, some people have lost uh, 
Uh, uh, we just got a call from uh, one of our uh, members that moved to Arizona. Her husband died, Mary Olment. If you please pray for her. Uh, her uh, Ricardo passed away. And uh, people have different sicknesses. They're, they're hurting. Uh, different trials going on, going on in life. Uh, and, you know, it is easy for our minds to get distressed. It's easy for our minds to, you know, to get really overwhelmed and get uh, distressed. Uh, and people look to all sorts of things to deal with that, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or um, some, we even have a category of food called comfort food. You're right, you've heard of that, comfort food. I tell you what, a lot of those comfort foods don't make you so comfortable after you get done eating them, right? You feel awful, you feel terrible after this many times. Uh, some may turn to improper relationships, okay? Others uh, may try to find distractions to keep their mind busy. Um, I don't know what may be troubling you tonight if you're here or watching online, but I know this, God can comfort your mind in your trial. And that is a truth, that is a fact. You know, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, God does not want us to live in despair. He does not want us to live in despair. Uh, and he does not want us to turn elsewhere for comfort either. And that's key. You know, we read in the Old Testament many times, the uh, children of Israel would turn to idols and other things as opposed to their God. And we can do the very same thing. We can turn to all sorts of things other than God for comfort. And I don't believe God is pleased with that. He wants to meet that need, and it is a need. And he says he is the God of all comfort. You know, sometimes we confuse comfort with being comfortable, okay? And they're not the same. You know, we all want to be comfortable, okay? We want the trials to go away, and, uh, you know, so we equate many times comfort with being comfortable. But I can tell you this, God wants us to, be, to offer his comfort to us in the circumstances that make us uncomfortable, so he may not take those things away that make us uncomfortable, but he does provide his comfort. So the verse we're going to be looking at tonight is 2 Corinthians. Are you praying for the PowerPoint here? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, there we go, verses 3 through 5, and I'm going to read this. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't know what folks may be dealing with tonight or those that are watching online. Maybe those... There's someone that has uh, their mind is just uh, discouraged. They're in some sort of distress, and they don't have the comfort that we're talking about tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this message would be an encouragement, Lord, and I'm thankful, Lord, that you are the God of all comfort. No matter what our circumstances, Lord, you are our helper. Lord, I thank you for that. So, Lord, I pray that you'd guide my lips tonight, and I thank you for it, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I mentioned, this is a, 
is a need. The comfort is a need. And it's exclusive to humans, okay? Uh, this is, does not apply to the angels or animals, but God created us much different from those things. We are a whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And uh, so we have a heart, okay, that can easily be swept up in the cares of the world and become despair and distress. This word comfort, it means to strengthen the mind, to strengthen the mind when depressed or enfeebled, to console, to give new vigor to the spirits, to cheer or relieve from depression or trouble. So God says, I'm the God of all comfort, okay? What does that mean? It means all comfort, true comfort comes from God. If you want real comfort, real relief from the distress and the, and the stress of the world, it, it will only come from God. Everything else is a substitute and a fraud. But true comfort, real comfort of mind comes from God himself. And he offers that to us. He wants us to have it. And so he is the God of all comfort. So we're going to look at three sources or three ways God, I believe, provides comfort to us. And, and number one is the promises of God. The promises of God. You know, the first few verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us about the comfort of God. But then verses 18 through 20 tells us that we can take comfort in his promises and why. It tells us why we can take comfort. There are a lot of things that are uncertain. I'm sure you all know this. There's a lot of things that are uncertain in this world. But I know this. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. God makes a promise, he keeps it. And we see in how that, the culmination of all that, the ultimate proof of that in these verses, verses 18 through 20, uh, that says this, But as God is true, our word towards you was not yea and nay, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me, and Silvanus and Tim Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, and the glory of God by us. So America may fail. We don't know that. Or your bank account may fail. Your health may fail. Uh, but his promises will not fail. When God says it, it'll happen. You can take it to the bank. It will come true. So in these verses, we see the greatest confirmation of God being a promise keeper. It says, but God is true. It says, but God is true. In verse 18, that means he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. I don't know about you, but we are all limited in when we make a promise, whether we can fulfill that promise. But God is not limited like we are. He is trustworthy. Now, you need to look no further than the cross. We need to look no further than the cross for confirmation that God keeps his promises. You know, we did nothing to deserve a Savior. We did nothing to earn forgiveness. We did nothing to make it come about. But the promise that was originally, think about this, the promise that was originally recorded in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, I believe is the first time where we really see this promise of a Savior. It is reiterated many times through the Old Testament, came true thousands of years later on a cross 
where Jesus died for you and I and rose again on the third day, proving if there was any doubt that God keeps his promises. Another promise he has for us today is what? He's coming again. We'll meet him in the air. We don't know when, but it's coming. And are we looking for that promise that he's made to us? You know, I don't know how many here has ever built a house. Built a house. I have not built a house, but I've been involved in uh, those in house construction in uh, various ways. And it can be stressful to build a house. It can, uh, uh, the homeowner and the contractor both experience stress. Uh, the homeowner will want to know if the contractor says he can get it done. You want to know, can he get it done in time and on budget? And as they're discussing what contractor to get, you want to know if this, here's the specification, here's the blueprints. Can you print, can you take these blueprints and can you do the job? So they go to the contractor. You know, oftentimes though, the contractor, they'll overpromise. you know, say yes, they want the job. So they say, you know what, I can get it done in four months for this amount of money. And you hire them and you find out perhaps that they couldn't or the quality wasn't there. And, and, but on the flip side, sometimes the, the client, they, they have these blueprints, but you're building a house, but sometimes what happens is they change your mind along the way. Oh, I, didn't, I don't want that bathroom like this. I want it moved over here and all those. And that changes all kinds of things. At the end of the day, there's no guarantee that that house is going to be completed on time within budget in a way that they all intended. With God, that's not so. When God promises something, you can take it to the bank, it will happen just as he said it would. Look at all the prophecy about Jesus. Every single detail that was prophesied about Jesus' life, his death on the cross, every single one of them came true exactly as what was written. How many times do we read in the New Testament? As it is written, as it is written, as it is written. You go back and you can see and you can confirm, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, just as he said. He does it just like he promises. Charles Spurgeon said this, hope in God's promises will endure trials conquer temptations, and enjoy heaven below. Let me say that again. Hope in God's promises will endure trials, conquer temptations, and enjoy heaven below. You know, hope is a confidence. It's a confidence in something. Okay? If we are going to be comforted, comforted by God... By the scripture, we've got to put confidence in the promises. First, we've got to know the promises, but then we've got to trust the promises. And we've got to uh, put our hope in those promises. We put our hope in a lot of things that are not trustworthy. Our feelings, they're not trustworthy. They change all the time. And they lie to us. And they tell us all sorts of things. If we live by our feelings, we are easily going to be deceived. If we went by the newspaper, we're going to be deceived. Uh, how many times have we heard the fake news over the last four years? Well, it's because it's true. There is a lot of fake news. You can't, you can't read something in the paper and uh, expect it to be true. How about someone comes up to you and tells you something, and uh, you get all excited about it one way or another about something? Uh, 
Even the things we tell each other, if it's not from the word of God, we need to make sure it is true. Okay? But when God says it, you know it's true. And you know it's going to happen. And it's a promise. But do we know his promises? And are we putting confidence in his promises? I want to encourage you. Make a list of his promises. There's a lot of promises he has for each and every one of us. Make a list of them, memorize them, know them, and apply them and believe them to your life. And determine whether are you trusting in his promises or something else. I believe this. I believe our countenance is only as bright as our confidence in the promises of God. Our, our spirit... Okay, if, you're, if we're in despair and depressed, oftentimes it's because we're not trusting in the promises of God. And, and it can, our, I believe our, 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 uh, our hearts can only be as full of His light as much as we are trusting in His promises. So it says a lot when someone is, having, uh, is in a despair of what they're trusting in. It tells us right away, are we... You know, I tell you this, when I begin to put any confidence in myself, okay, or something other than God, you will be able to tell it. And so we, we can all tell that with each other. So number one, number one principle is that we must uh, put our confidence in the promises of God. He's provided those promises to us to provide comfort. Number two is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Back to our verse, it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us all in tribulation. You know, the Father of mercies, that was a Hebrew expression, meaning that he is a God of compassion. Aren't you thankful for that? It doesn't say a God of wrath, even though God does have, his, have wrath. It doesn't say God of anger, even though he does get anger. But he's a God of mercies, a God of compassion. He's referred here to, in this, these verses, as Christ's Father. You know what? He is our Father, too. Each and every one of us, if you are saved. We have a Heavenly Father. And I don't know about you, but... Uh, as a child, Steve recently wrote a post in our daily meditations regarding this, that maybe as a child you get scared or, or you have, maybe you hear some noises late at night in your house. Where do you run for comfort? Either mom or dad. Why? They're much more powerful than we are as children. God is our father. And that ought to provide some comfort to us knowing that. Now look at what Jesus said here in John Chapter 14 and verse 18. Look what Jesus said. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's talking to the disciples here as he is telling them as, uh, that he will soon go away. But he tells them, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Well, what is he talking about here? Well, that word comfortless here is different from the other word comfort that we, in, the, in 2 Corinthians. This word here means Orphaned. Orphaned. He says, I will not leave you fatherless. I will not leave you fatherless. 
So think about that. For a few years, the disciples, they had been uh, following Jesus, and uh, Jesus had been their guide. He'd been their leader. He'd been their comforter. And uh, imagine that, okay? You're with Jesus, and you've seen him do these miracles, you know, and you've seen how he speaks and all that. I'd take a lot of comfort being in the presence of Christ if I was one of the disciples. But then you find, find out after a few years that he's talking about going away. It might cause a little anxiety in your heart to know that this Jesus that you've put so much confidence in and for years have been learning from, now what are you going to do? Maybe you can relate when you left the home when you were a child and you were going out on your own and you, there's a little bit of anxiety as uh, maybe off to college for the first time, but you still, you weren't le- losing your father when you went off on your own. You weren't fatherless. It's the same here. Although Jesus was crucified, buried, and eventually set at the right, home, the right hand of the throne of God, he did not leave us without a father. He sent his spirit to live within us to be our comforter, to be our guide, to be our teacher. Each and every one of you, if you are saved, you have the Spirit of God living in you, and he is still present today. He's here in this room. But do we believe it, and do we trust that, that he is with us? So he's not, he wasn't going to leave them fatherless. If you're a Christian, like I said, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You know, so that word means orphan. How many of you seen Santa Claus the movie? Santa Claus the movie. Okay, I'm not talking about the one with Tim Allen. I'm talking about the one with Dudley Moore. Okay, you guys can admit it's not a bad movie. Okay. (laughs) Well, let me tell you about it, okay? Let me tell you about it. It, it, There was this orphan boy, part of the movie, he was 12 years old. He's 12 years old, and uh, his name was Joe. He was living on the streets. Can you imagine 12 years old, living on the streets, I believe it was New York City, by yourself, with no help? That was Joe. He had no provider, he had no direction, he was left to his own devices to figure things out. And his, and, but then Santa Claus befriends him, okay? And Joe has this friend, Santa Claus. He has a defender. When Joe gets in trouble, Santa Claus comes and helps him out and uh, is there to defend him when he's in trouble. Uh, And Santa eventually adopted Joe, and Joe went to live with him at the North Pole. It's amazing when you watch these Christmas movies how sometimes they, they just very much sound like the gospel. But they put Santa Claus in this mythical figure that's not real in place of Christ. You know, that's a fantasy story. It's not real. But before we got saved, we were like Joe. We were left here on this earth. We may not have been 12, may not have been 16, 16, might have been 20 or 30 like me. We were kind of fatherless. We were left to figure things out on our own as far as spiritual things. But then there came that precious day for each one of us where we got saved and adopted into the household of God. And that's not a fantasy story. That's a true story. 
If you got saved, you have that testimony that day when you became a child of God, you gained a father, you became adopted to one of his. But our home is not the North Pole, it's heaven. One day we will be with him there in eternity. So we are never without help as a Christian. We're never without help as a Christian. We ought to take great comfort in that. Could you imagine, do you remember what it's like to be lost without the Heavenly Father to go to in the time of trouble, without a direction from the Holy Spirit? I think the longer we get saved, we don't even realize how many times the Holy Spirit keeps us out of trouble by guiding us and directing us in our lives. We should take great comfort in our Heavenly Father and the Spirit that lives in us. You know, this morning we heard about the waves of life that come our way. When they do, know this. You're not going through the storm alone. Whatever's in your, coming your way, whatever trials are in your life, you're not going through it alone. God is with you. and He is your comforter. So, number three. Number three. So we, we see the, the promises of God. We see, we see the, the spirit of God for comfort. And how about, you probably never thought about this. The people of God. The people of God. Back to our verse here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Do you know this? Anytime God gives us something, he doesn't give it to us for us just to hold it to ourselves. He gives it for, uh, to us for us to share it with other folks. So if you've been comforted by God, which I know you have if you're a Christian, I'm sure you have, you have something that you can share with others, and that's the comfort of God that he has given you. So whether he gives us grace, mercy, love, those are all things that we could share with others. And he has given us comfort whereby we can comfort other people. And that's one of the great privileges about being a member of a body, the body of Christ, being a member of the church, is the comfort that we get from one another. And that's what many people were missing when we couldn't meet together. But now that we can meet together, what a blessing it is to comfort one another. So God has called each and one of us to be encouragers, each and every one of us. God has called us to be encouragers. You know, I don't know if pastors used this illustration before, the story, I think he may have, but there was a man named George Truitt. He was a pastor in Texas, and his heart uh, was broken. He had accidentally killed his best friend while they were out on a hunting trip. Could you imagine that? You're out on a hunting trip and you have, there's an accident. You accidentally shoot your best friend and he's dead. Uh, you know, his daughter said he never heard him laugh again after that day. Truett, he had a radio program. At the end of the program, he would always close in saying these words, be good to everybody because everybody is having a tough time. You know, we act like we're tough and we got it all together. And that's a lie. None of us does. All of us have some sort of trial in our lives. 
and we all need comfort for one another. So Truett knew personally what a heavy burden people could be carrying. And I'm sure you do as well. I know you all have had trials in your life and you've received comfort. But we have an opportunity as Christians to be what he's called us to be the light of the world. That's one way we can be the light of the world to actually put feet to our faith by comforting one another, which is what we're going to do tonight. Uh, so who do you know that needs comforting right now? I'm sure you know somebody that needs comforting. And uh, I want to encourage you, ask God, who can I encourage this week? Who can I comfort this week? And then follow through. Make a phone call. Uh, uh, send an email, text message, what have you. So for all of us here tonight, and you're, you may be tempted to despair or you're watching online, Remember these three things, to take comfort, the promises of God, know the promises, trust them, and they will provide comfort. The Spirit of God, you're never alone, and the people of God. If you're not part of the local church, if you're watching online, we, you really need to be part of a local church. What a great blessing it is that we can comfort one another. I want to encourage us, take advantage of it, be the light of the world, and encourage one another. So with the time that we have left, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these cards, okay, and I know a few people in our church that could use some encouragement. I'm going to ask you if you would, uh, and we've got about seven minutes left before we hit seven o'clock, if you would take uh, this card and fill it out, and then on the front, put the name, and I'll give you a few names that you can, you can use. And uh, drop it in the offering plate on your way out, and uh, tomorrow I'll mail those out for you, okay? But let's take an opportunity to do what God asks us to do and be a comfort to those uh, within our body, within the body of Christ. And here's a few that I had in mind, and you may know someone else. You don't have to, if you know someone else that you want to comfort, uh, write their name on there as well, and tomorrow I'll make sure that that gets mailed out. Uh, but here's a few I'm thinking of tonight. Gladys Caffin, Gladys Caffin. How many of you here know Gladys? Okay, Gladys. Well, her husband, uh, is, Melvin, has been in, in, in the hospital or nursing home since July, and uh, now he's in comfort care and not able to eat, and it's been that way for a while, and she's really hurting, okay? So if, if, if a few of you would take some time and fill out your card, right? Gladys's name on the front, and we'll mail that out tomorrow. And uh, Thelma, Steve's wife Thelma, had back surgery here. How long ago, Steve? On the 5th. And uh, really had a lot of uh, uh, pain afterwards. And, uh, of course, she's not able to be with us. So it would be really encouraging if you could fill out a card and, uh, for Thelma. And then Sharon Walters. Sharon and Randy. You know, they've been through so much the two of them, and uh, she was here, uh, got out of the hospital. She's been in and out, down to Barnes, St. Louis, and many, many, many trials that she's been through. Uh, so would you consider writing a, uh, something in a card for Sharon, and then uh, drop that in the plate? And again, if there's someone else, um, put that in the plate as well. And aren't you thankful to be a Christian?
We have such great blessings, spiritual blessings from God, each and every one of us. Why? What a shame that we're not more thankful for the comfort, the God of all comfort, to know him to, or to be his child. So thank you for filling out those cards. Let's have a, a 